Amen. Amen. Grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles. Remain standing for just a moment. Just a moment. We'll read just a few verses this morning. Turn to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 6. Isaiah chapter number 6. While you're turning, I want to ask for your prayer. Uh, just pray for, pray for the leadership. Pray for our church. We're, we're, God's really working on us and, and, and wanting to, to bring us to another place, another level. If you, I hate using that term because it's so wore out. Uh, but I, I, do believe in, I do believe in levels of maturity. I do believe that you go in stages in, 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 a, in a, the life of the church. And sometimes you have numerical growth and sometimes you have spiritual growth. If you understand what I'm saying, say amen. And I believe we're in that place. I, I, I believe we're in a place where God wants to take us to a, an, another place of fellowship with him, another, another level of, of intimacy with him. All the disciples wasn't the same. You know, you, 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 had, you had your, your, your disciple. I mean, if you were a disciple, that's like really cool because you got to hang out with Jesus all the time. But, uh, but everybody wasn't Peter, James, and John. You know, Peter, James, and John got to go where the rest of them didn't get to go. They got to go see him raise somebody from the dead. They got to uh, be with him in the garden there in, in, in Gethsemane. And they just got to experience things the rest of them didn't. And God wants us to go higher in our relationship with him. If you're with me, say amen. And part of that, part of that is worship, is worship. Uh, God is a spirit and must be worshiped in spirit and in truth. He is wanting and he is seeking. According to John 4, he's seeking such to worship him. He's looking for people to worship him. He's not looking for people to come to a building and expect to be entertained. He's not coming for people to come and watch a show and get their, get their religious experience in and then go home. No, he's wanting people to truly worship him. And I, I, I'm going at Lord's willing, Lord's willing, if you remember a couple weeks ago with David, uh, we, we went down a list of things that, that we should be doing in our worship. We should be thanking him. Uh, we should be singing unto him. Are y'all with me? Do y'all remember that? Uh, we should be glorying in his name or bragging on his name. We should be seeking him, remembering his marvelous works, all these things. And Lord's willing, I'm going to take each one of them and break it down and preach a different message on each one of them as we learn and we grow. But, but God just put on my heart to, 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 to preach out of this particular chapter this morning uh, because I think, I think part of the problem is, is it that we don't know who we're worshiping. Now we know who we think he is and we know who we've made him out to be. But we're not to worship, just, let me back up. We are to worship the God who is, not the God we've made him to be. How many of y'all know this whole world has got in their mind who they think or what they think God is? Well, he is the God of the Bible. And we need to know who he is. Are y'all with me? If you will look in, in Isaiah chapter 6, I want to I read about an experience this prophet had. And, and how it changed his life. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Now this is not, now Isaiah could have been in the earthly temple, but this is not in reference to the earthly temple. It's the temple in heaven. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. 
and twain he covered his face. Two of the wings he covered his face. And with twain or two he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. One cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. In other words, these creatures were so powerful, were so mighty, that the foundation literally shook as they cried, Holy, holy, holy. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, this is the prophet Isaiah, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am an unclean, a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. Then said I, here am I, send me. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. as you, Lord, do not let your word return void. Help me to teach this in a clear and concise way that every person in this room can understand what I'm saying. I pray that we'll learn. I pray that we'll grow. I pray that we'll be edified. I pray that we'll, Lord, we will grow in our our understanding of you. I pray that your perfect will be done. Lord, you know how desperately I need you in this moment. I pray that you'll help us today. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's children say it. You may be seated. This is going to seem... This is going to seem, thank you, brother. This is going to seem more like a Bible study than it would a a preaching message, if you will. Uh, But that's okay, and I hope I can get through everything today. Uh, But I want to I want to go through these verses. Isaiah has an experience with God. He is one of the the, probably the major prophet of the Old Testament. Uh, In his his experience with God molded him into what he, he was as a prophet. He, he began to describe this experience and he, he gave us his testimony of how this took place and how God called him and how God changed his life. And, and, and this, is the, this is the experience we see. This is the record of that event. I, I grew up, I grew up in, a, in, a, in a camp meeting style church, I guess if you want to uh, use that kind of description. Uh, I, I, when I grew, when I was in church growing up, you had people waving hankies and uh, a preacher might every now and then cut a lap around the building. I mean, you just you just didn't ever know what's going to happen. There was different older ladies in the congregation uh, that had the hair way up here, and if it ever fell down, you knew it was on. <laughs> there was there was a preacher's wife named named Sister Wooten. And uh, Sister Wooten uh, what was just shy of being Pentecostal, <clears throat> just shy. I mean, Baptist all the way to the edge. Are y'all with me right there? And when God got to moving, 
uh, uh, she'd stand up, and if you wasn't paying attention, if you saw it happening, it wouldn't scare you so bad. But if, as a little child, if you didn't see it happening, she'd let out a Comanche war hoop that would make the hair stand up on your neck. And it was just like a trigger. You just know, okay, it's on now. I mean, it, it just, it just, it was such a dramatic expression of worship and, 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 and I, I, I would hear preachers, I would hear preachers and I'd hear people, uh, and by the way, by the way, you can manufacture some of that. You, you, can, you can manufacture some of that. Uh, and and I, would, I would hear preachers say, boy, God showed up today. Or, boy, we was in, we was in God's presence. And, 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 and the more I studied my Bible, the more I'm coming to find out that some of them guys just wasn't real uh, accurate in their assessment of what's going on. Because there is something that takes place in God's Word. Every time you see God interact with folks, it, it, it wasn't really what I, what I saw in some of those services growing up. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I, I, I'll go that route. Let's, let's look at this. The Bible says, in, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord high and lifted up. And let me just give you a little commercial right here. Uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes uh, there are other things or other people we worship that will keep us from seeing the real king. It wasn't until Uzziah died that Isaiah looked up. Sometimes we're too busy looking around that we're not able to look up. Isaiah had a hero. Uh, Uzziah was a great king. He, he, he served 52 years. He was one of, one of the best kings that Israel ever had, but, but he went down. He went down in shame. He, he, he did some things, and I'm not going to take the time to go that. You go study that. And, and he fell. He fell in disgrace. And, and, and here we have Isaiah's hero is gone, and he's dying. And this young prophet, this very young prophet, he is traumatized by what's going on. Things look bleak in the kingdom. Things look bleak because the enemy was at hand, and their great king had fell in disgrace, and everything looked bad. But I'm here to tell you this. When the earthly king falls and everything looks bad here on earth, there is a still a king in glory on his throne. And sometimes stuff down here gets in our way of seeing stuff up there. When King Uzziah died. And by the way, this same year, there, there was a, a, a certain village that got established and became a, 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 a place of significance. That uh, Anybody ever heard of Rome? Isn't it amazing that, the, that this particular time, this particular year, that Isaiah, one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament, who speaks so much of the King, Lord Jesus, in, in this same year, Rome is established, and that Rome would be the one that, with the crossroads of the King coming in the New Testament. Anyway, that's just whatever. He says, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. Three things I want you to write down. Three things. And, and, and their subs under it, but I just want to talk through them. I want to talk through them. I'm not going to spend a bunch of time except for the last one because I want to tell you what the whole point is. The, the whole point we need to get to because worship is not for what we think. Worship is not for the purpose that we can feel good and take on another day. Worship is not so we can come in with all the guilt we have throughout the week, all the problems we have during the week and come and, and let God give us some kind of relief for it so we can go out and live our life the same way we've always lived it. That's not the point. 
So as we go through this, I want you to see number one. I want you to see when he saw the Lord and he saw this vision, what, what did he see? First, I want you to see his majesty. His majesty. His majesty. Say that with me. His. His majesty. I looked that word up. <clears throat> Webster's Dictionary. <clears throat> majesty. Greatness of appearance. Dignity. Grandeur. The quality or state of a person or thing which inspires awe or reverence in the beholder. Applied with peculiar propriety to God and his works. Listen, did you come this morning to stand in awe? Did you come to experience his majesty? What does, what do, what does experiencing majesty do for a person? It inspires awe. It inspires reverence. It inspires this. You know what? If we could get people to see his majesty, we wouldn't have to try to prompt or prime or post or beg or bribe you to get involved in worship. Wow. Say it with me. Wow. Come on, say it like you're in awe. You ready? Wow. Where, where are you getting that, preacher? Where are you getting it? He sees a throne. High and lifted up. I'm, I'm afraid we have the wrong image of our God. He's not the old man upstairs. He's not this old figure with white hair and a white beard down to the floor, feeble, uh, trying, to, trying to keep things under control. He is the king. He is the sovereign Lord of the universe. He is the God of all gods. He's the Lord of all lords. He's the King of all kings. He is our sovereign Lord. We see his throne. It was high and lifted up. I, 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 read, I read this verse. It's really cool. It's really, I know I skipped one. I'm coming back to that one. Uh, Isaiah 57, 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. You get that? That inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Where does he dwell? In the high and holy place, the one who inhabiteth eternity. Isaiah 66, 1, thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. He saw him. In his throne, but I want you to see this too, right? This now, I want you to see his title. His title. Look in verse number one and then verse number three. Verse number one and verse number three. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the. Come on, everybody. I saw also the Lord. Lord. All right, verse three. Verse three. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the. Lord. Are those the same? Look in your Bible. Notice something. Notice the first word, Lord. It's capital L, little O, little R, little D. Excuse me, verse 3, it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. How many of y'all notice that? Say amen. That is the translator telling you these are two different words. Two different Hebrew words. Same English word, but two different words in the Hebrew. And they are there for a reason. Because one is the name of God, one is the title of God. He said, I saw, verse number one, 
In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, the Lord, that is Adonai. Adonai means absolute sovereign. It's the title that is reserved only for God. No other creature, no other human, no other instant, nothing could have this title but God. He is Adonai. He is absolutely sovereign. He is absolutely in charge. He's absolutely high and lifted up. He's absolutely higher than any other. Somebody say amen. He's Adonai. Adonai. The second word is Yahweh. That is his name. That is how he was addressed. That is how he was known to the Hebrew people, to Moses when he went and took them out of Egypt. Yahweh. He is Adonai, the absolute sovereign supreme. How many of y'all remember in Philippians? This is, boy, I'm, I'm feeling some God bumps right here. In Philippians, in chapter number two, the Bible says that God hath highly exalted him. Talking about Jesus. Are y'all with me? Jesus, uh, who, 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 who became a man, who humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And because of that, God had highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Everybody thinks it's Jesus is that name. That's not the name. He already had that name. It is Adonai. It is in the Greek kurios. It is the Old Testament equivalent of Adonai. In other words, he gave him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Which is the Old Testament, as curious in the Greek, Old Testament Adonai. In other words, he is declaring him absolute sovereign. And that's why we bow to him. And that's who we come to worship. The absolute sovereign. The one who is in charge the one who is in control, the one who has all might and all power and all wisdom and all knowledge, the one who nothing is impossible to him. That's who we're coming to meet with. You see, his majesty, his majesty in his throne, his majesty in his title, Adonai, Adonai, absolute sovereign, absolute king. Then his train, The Bible says his train filled the temple. You know, the train represented, uh, the bigger the train, the more royal you were. How many of y'all have ever been to them souped up weddings where the the, the bride got to the the front of the altar and her train was still coming in the door? And And it's a glorious experience and it's a glorious picture. And it's representing the glory of the bride. But then you, you see, uh, if you've ever been able to see some of the, some of the royal weddings over in England or, or, or some of the crownings and, and that, that represented their royalty. That represented their, 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 their dignity and who they were. The Bible says his train filled the temple. Yeah. Amen. Isaiah understood. He was in the presence of majesty. He was in the presence of royalty. And what's the point? Before we get to that next point, I I want you to understand something. We are so flippant. Flippant. I looked that word up too just so I got it right. Which means careless. We are so flippant when we come to the house of God. 
We, we, we come. Now, now I, I want you to understand something. I'm not the one that, 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 that believes God's here and waiting on us when we get here. I believe God, you are the house of God, but we're coming to for the purpose of being in his presence. And we come here just like we come anywhere. We come here like we go to Walmart. We come here like we, we, we go down to the coffee shop. Like we go to Brandon and I, wherever. We're just, now, now, now understand what I'm saying by this. Because I don't want nobody to leave here because I used to be this, this way. I, I used to have this mentality that you had to wear a suit and a tie and all that kind of stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about in apparel. I'm talking about an attitude. An attitude. If we, if we were not so flippant, if we had the right attitude, what attitude? The attitude of coming to be in majesty. We wouldn't act like we act in church. We wouldn't drag in late. We wouldn't get up all the time interrupting and, and causing distractions. We would behave. We would reverence. We would be in awe. We would seek him. Are y'all with me? Here's the thing. Are we coming to meet with the king? He saw his majesty. But then not only his majesty, but don't you see his ministers? His ministers. And this just, this just compounds and contributes to his character of holiness and royalty. The Bible says the seraphims. The seraphims were, were created angelic beings. Uh, some commentators believe that they could be fiery beings because the word seraphim literally means to burn. So these could, be, these could be created beings of fire. They were in a shape that you could understand and he could describe. They had six wings. Two wings, they covered their face. Two wings, they covered their feet. Two wings, they would fly. They're hovering in the presence of the king. They're hovering, they are ministers, they are servants of the king of kings, God. Here they are in his presence. I want you to see a few things. Number one, I want you to see their description. I want you to see their description. What does their description tell us about God's presence and his holiness? It says they had to cover their face. They had to cover their face. Why did they have to cover their face? God is light. Y'all with me? Let me, let me read, let, let, let me just say, I got, I got to do this. We, if we go into too much detail, we're never going to get done. But how many of y'all remember, how many of y'all remember when, when Moses went up to the mountain? Moses went up to the mountain to get the, 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 the commandments and, and he comes down and, 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 and what's, what's going on with his face? It is, it's glowing. He's been in the light. He's been in the light. His, he, the glory of God is so splendor. I mean, there's so much splendor. There's so much glory. It is, I mean, he's just in his presence and his face is glowing. I mean, it's not, it's not just twinkling. It is glowing so much it produces fear in the people. Now watch this. Watch this. this it's just getting better. When Moses is in God's presence, Moses is in the glory. Moses said, he said, let me see your face. Show me thy glory. I want to see your face. And you know what God says? You don't know what you're asking. 
Because if you saw my face, you would die. No man will see my face and live. There's no human being who has the ability or created being to withstand and be in the full glory of God. So this is what he said. This is what he said. He said, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. And I'm going to put my hand to cover you, to protect you. And I'm going to pass by. And you're going to see my hinder parts. And in reference, it's meaning the residue. In other words, hallelujah, what's left over when I pass by? Do you understand? Do you understand just the residue of the glory of God, just what was left over when he passed by was so significant and so powerful, it made his face glow when he came back. His his face wasn't even glowing from from all the glory of God, just what was left over when he passed by. And that's who we come to worship. He is so glorious. He is so mighty. He is so powerful with such splendor that even the created beings that were created for the purpose of being in the presence of God, they still had to cover their face. Because even created angelic beings could not stand the glory of God in all of its strength. That's how holy he is. That's how splendor, with, with such splendor. And so, are y'all getting this? Wow. Listen, we see their description. Look at their, I think the word is declaration. Thanks what word, yeah. Look what they're saying. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. And and, and Jalen, I learned something. It's not, they're not all saying it at the same time. In other words, they're communicating to each other. This one says, holy, 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 holy. Are y'all with me? And in the chorus with each other, they are, in other words, they're bouncing it off of each other. One will cry holy, and the other will cry holy, and the other will cry holy. A thrice holy God. Listen, they're not crying mercy, mercy, mercy. Even though that is a great characteristic of God. They're not crying grace, grace, grace. They're not crying love, love, love. We're living in a world, we're living in a society, we're living in a culture that wants to completely take away the wrath of God, completely wants to take away the holiness of God and just say, oh, he's just a God of love who don't care what we do. Let me tell you something. He is holy, 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 holy. He is separate. He is different. He is pure and holy. The word holy literally means separate. means different. He's not us. We can't even fathom his holiness. They're crying out, holy, holy. Hey, we, they, they, they correspond with the four creatures that John saw in Revelation. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. 
Preacher, what are you doing? I'm trying to describe to you the God that is, not the God who you think he is. He's on the throne. He has ministers around him day and night saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Their description, their declaration, their demonstration, their voice is so powerful. Their voice is so powerful at their voice. The foundations, Nicky Joe, the foundations just shake. Isaiah's standing here, and and I'm I'm talking about the foundations in heaven, the posts in heaven. They're shaking at the voice of the ministers crying, holy, holy, holy. Now watch this. As powerful as they are, they still had to hide their face in his presence. Why? Two of those wings are covering their feet. Their feet represents that they are creatures, created beings in the presence of their creator. You remember when Moses met God at the burning bush? He said, take off your your own holy ground. These creatures cover their shoes, cover their feet because they're in the holy presence of God. And that's who we come to meet today. That's who we come to sing to. That's who we came to worship. That's who we came to thank. That's who we came to honor. That's who we came to reverence. Church, say amen. Amen. Don't you see number three, his ministry. His ministry. I'm going to be honest with you. I got an agenda. I got an agenda. I, I was just standing there a while ago. I already know this, so this, I mean, it's not a shock today. But I'm, I'm looking around the congregation, and, and many of us are just standing, staring off into space. Some of us are clapping. Some of us are engaged. Some of us are moving our lips. Some of us are actually singing. But we're not all engaged. We're not all worshiping. We're not. We're just not. Why? We're going to find out. We're going to find out. Number one, he deserves it. Number two, worship is a great Ministry to the lost. This ain't knows. I'm just speaking. Okay. What did, what did David say? What did David say when, when, when he was making his confession? When he said, "Restore unto me the joy of my salvation." Remember. He said, "Restore unto me the joy of my salvation." He's trying to get right with God. He said, "When I get right, what does he say? Sinners will hear. Unbelievers will hear what his praise, his worship, and be drawn." I'm going to tell a story. My father, he's, he's, he's a bad guy. He's a heathen. I just was. I mean, it was, he, he'll, he'll testify, stand, you know, registered papers, DNA profile, everything. Pure T heathen. His background is totally different than mine. I, I grew up in church. If I acted a fool, 
he beat me to the edge of my life. So I didn't act a fool. Literally. And, and so we, we grew up so different. And he, he was just... He was just a bad guy. Just, just didn't have no. He had two church experiences. One, he got run off and said the deacon said he wasn't dressed properly. And he said, I only went to see the girls anyway, so that was no issue. <laughs> the second church experience, the church was having a revival, and he was in the parking lot stealing the gas out of their cars while they were having a revival. <laughs> two church experiences. Am I exaggerating this a bit? My, my uncle invited them to church. Their one-year wedding anniversary. My uncle Jay invited them to church. They had planted a church, started a church in a storefront building. In this storefront building, uh, they were having revival on a Wednesday night. And my uncle had been inviting and inviting and inviting and inviting and inviting. I mean, just driving them crazy. And see, so that means don't ever give up on the people you're witnessing to. How many of y'all know one enthusiastic flea can drive a dog crazy? <laughs> Just keep inviting. Just keep inviting. Well, Dad just finally said, all right, we'll go tonight. We'll go tonight. It's our anniversary. We'll go tonight. Get it over with. Then you leave us alone. Don't ask us no more. And then we're going to go to the bar and party and have a big time. Celebrate our anniversary. There was only one problem. When they got the revival, God was waiting on them. There's a little country preacher didn't have no education whatsoever. Zero. His name was Wiley Wooten. Not Wiley Wooten. That was the pastor of the church. Willie Ward. Preaching for Wiley Wooten. <laughs> Waskily Wabbit. I don't know. How, you know, I can't. You can't make this stuff up, man. Am I telling the truth? They go in there and it's just one of them old fashioned. It was a real revival. Some called it the seven-year revival. It, it, Bethel Baptist Church sprung out of that, and there was people getting saved by the droves every year. Just an incredible move of God. Well, here in this Wednesday night revival service, my dad was there, my mom was there, uh, their two best friends, Paul Howe and Cheryl Howe, was there. They come in. I don't know where they sat, somewhere near the back, and that preacher got to preaching, and it, it got good. Are y'all with me? <clears throat> How many of y'all have ever been to one of them services, and it got good? People getting saved, people squalling, tears falling, snot slinging, say amen. And my mom went forward. During the invitation, mom went forward. Now, in old-time church where I grew up, when somebody got saved, it, it, I mean, you, it didn't count unless everybody come shook their hand. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm being facetious. It did count. I'm just, you know. Everybody comes around and gives them the right hand of Christian fellowship, telling them praying for them. Well, dad is back there. He, God's on him bad. I, there ain't never been a coon dog on a coon tree so hard as God was on him. And he knew he needed to move, but he didn't want to. And he said, man, I don't want to go down to that front. But if I don't go hug her neck, it's going to be bad later. Say amen. So he goes down there to, 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 to hug her neck, and he rounds the corner. <clears throat> he rounds the corner. And there's Brother Wooten. And Brother Wooten's about this big. Now, my dad's not real tall, but Brother Wooten's even shorter than him. And you got to know he's, had, he's got a reputation. Everybody, we come from a small community. Everybody knows who he is. And when he rounds that corner, he can't take it no more. And he grabs Brother Wooten. Everybody's looking. 
He said, what do you want? Dad says, whatever y'all got. He didn't know. He didn't say, I'd like to be redeemed and regenerated by the blood of the Lamb. No, he didn't know that. He didn't know none of that stuff. All he knew is he knew there was something missing in here and they had something in there that he wanted in. Are y'all with me? And man, he got saved. I'm talking about the verily, verily kind. And when he got saved, he got saved all over. And he went to everything. It changed his life, completely changed his life. As hard as he went for the devil, he went after God. He went to anything the church had, showed up for the women's auxiliary and they made him go home. He was in the bulletin, man. He showed up, whatever. It changed his life. Y'all with me? It changed his life. Let me tell you what happened with Isaiah. I want you to see the ministry. What happened when he got into God's presence? He said, woe is me. You're not going to run around hollering, shout, and carry on. If you really get into his presence, you're going to say, woe is me. Woe is me. What did Job say? What did Job say when God finally confronted him at the end of Job? Job said, I didn't know what I was talking about. He said, I abhor myself. He said, I'm going to put my hand over my mouth. I didn't even know what I was saying. What happened when Jesus got in the boat with Peter and they cast the, the net out and they got this big miracle and he experienced God's power for the first time. Peter said this. He said, he didn't say, hey, let's go into business together. He didn't say, whoa, y'all, look at here, look at here, look at what we got. You know, that ain't what he said. He looked at Jesus and said, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. You know what will happen? You know what will happen? When you really see him, you'll really see you. How many of you, how many of you ever had a dirty windshield? One of my daughters, I ain't going to name which one. Because they all got a vehicle now, so I can. I borrowed it to go to Nashville. I had to take one up there. And during the daytime, it was fine. Didn't, know, didn't think nothing of it. Dropped her off, it done got dark, got something to eat, and I'm getting back in the car, and I'm going out, and I'm tearing out through there, and cars with brighter lights came this way and shine through that windshield. I like to wreck the car. I couldn't see nothing. That was the dirtiest thing I'd ever seen in my life. I stopped at Walmart to get wipes. It was so bad. But I never saw it. Till the light hit it. Let me tell you why we're flipping. Let me tell you why we're careless and we're not thankful and we're not in awe and we're not in reverence when we come to the house of God. We, we, we've never seen him. 
Because if we ever see him, we'll say, whoa, it's me. Whoa, it's me. Let me give you three things. What is his ministry? What was the point? Why did God do what he did with Isaiah? Why did he do it? Is it just to make him feel bad? Does God get some kind of thrill out of making us feel like dirt? No. Three things I want you to write now. I'm going to just give them to you and let's talk about them and I'm praying. What is the ministry of God? What is he trying to accomplish with this? First is revelation. God wants to reveal himself to you. You're not coming this morning. You're not coming this morning to to participate in a religious experience. You're not coming this morning to participate in some religious exercise. I'm, I'm sorry to say that we have that mentality and we have that attitude. And you know what happens? We get in a routine. And when you get in a routine, you end up in a rut. So we have to get up here and dance and play to entertain you. Because you get bored easy. How many of you know you get bored when you get in a rut? You can get in a rut with the things you eat. You can get in a rut with your hobbies. You can get in a rut with anything. And when you get in a rut, it's, it's terribly boring. And you have to keep doing things. But I'm telling you what, if you ever see him, if you ever experience him, if you ever understand who he truly is, when you get into his presence, you're thankful. When you get into his presence, you're grateful. When you get into his presence, you see who you really are because you see who he really is. And if you see him as he really is, you'll see you're just, you're just a pitiful creature who deserves hell. Woe is me. Woe is me. Boy, when you see God, you see you. So is that why God did it? Just so he could show how big he is and how little we are? No, no, no. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm a sinful man. I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell with people of unclean lips. Watch the next thing. Watch the next thing. One of the seraphims went to the altar and took one of the coals from the altar and placed upon his lips and said, your iniquity is purged. What is God's ministry? He has a ministry of revelation. He wants to reveal himself to you so you can see who he truly is, so you can see who you truly are. Then he's got the ministry of sanctification. He wants to clean you up. You you will not see a need. How many of y'all know if you don't see you're dirty, you won't take a bath? You won't wash your car unless you see dirt on it. But if you see him, you'll see you. And when you see you, you can come and say, clean me up. Clean me up. You see, he has a ministry of revelation, a ministry of sanctification, then a ministry of consecration. What did God do with him when he cleaned him up? He said, we got a job. We have a need. We have a need. And you know what he said? (laughs) Here am I. Here am I. Not here I am. He's not given his location. There's a difference between here I am and here am I. Here I am saying this is my location. Here am I says I'm available. 
Send me. Let me tell you something. If you have a real experience with God, I won't have to beg you to get involved. We won't have to come up with ideas to get you to serve. We won't have to beg. We won't have to prime. We won't have to bribe. We'll give you two cookies if you'll hold the door open. No. If you ever come into his presence and see what he, who he truly is and what he's done for you, you'll say, hey! Here am I. What's his ministry? He doesn't reveal himself just to make you look bad. He wants you to know him. So he can clean you up. Why does he want to clean you up? So he can set you up. Send me. Send me. The next few weeks, guys, I want you to really be praying. I want you to really be praying. I want you to see him. I want you to pray that God will give me the words to say and I'll be able to describe. I'll be able to illustrate. I'll be able to open your eyes to who he really is. Because I'm afraid. I'm figuring this out. You can't manufacture worship. Worship's got to come. Now, I can, I can show you the stuff you need to do. I can give you a little list. And by the way, that, that, that list is on a bookmark that's on, the, on 411. Stop by and grab that. That'll be the series we're going through. But if it's not in here. You know what? I, I don't see anywhere in that chapter where God says, Isaiah, please worship me. Please honor me like you're supposed to. Please reverence me. All it took is one look. I'm praying for you in the next few weeks that you'll get that look. That somewhere along the way, you will see him. Because if you truly see him, you'll see you. Would you stand with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray.